there's certainly a large number of players, whether it's pros, amateurs, different speed ranges, where the long irons kind of start feeling like like a bench press bar in their in their hands. Uh, especially if you're using constant weight shafts, um, uh, and particularly for the players that are tall and using overlength clubs, the the, the shaft just feels pretty cumbersome and, and heavy to some by the time it's in their long irons. For others that don't have an issue with how the clubs feel in the long irons, but they're wanting to you know, see if that's something that helps them. Generally speaking, the reason to go down that road is because with these, the heavier weight in the long irons, players unable to create enough speed or enough trajectory uh, or enough of a gap to sort of have their set form uh, to their, up to their standards. So that would be a way to, to try and work on those, those variables. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Back by popular demand, second week in a row here on the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm joined by uh, co-host Garrett Pond. Garrett, are you ready to dig back into it with respect to uh, some myth-busting in the world of shafts? Nate, uh, one episode is certainly not enough time to talk about shafts. And after uh, this episode's done, who knows? We might need episode three. There's uh, there's a, a lot of information out there. Some of it true, some of it not true, some of it yet to be discovered. Still, I'm sure. So when we posed the when we 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 posed a, a prompt on the Cali community that we were going to have Austin Tudor from Fujikura on the podcast, and we got a ton of questions come in from you guys, the listeners, in terms of what questions you wanted answered, and we were only able to get to a fraction of those on our first podcast with Austin. Uh, so we thought, you know what, we want to give the people what they want, which is let's dig in and uh, answer the rest of these questions. So that's what we're going to do today. If you've not listened to that first uh, part one of this podcast, uh, please do so. That was a, a great podcast to have a, a, such a, a informed guest from uh, Fujikura helping us answer these questions. And uh, But I will say – you. You could probably listen to them in any order you want. I don't know that there's a lot that uh, you know necessarily is is a prerequisite to understand what we're going to dig into on this one. So, without further ado, Garrett, I say we dig in here. Yeah. Um, and let's see here. So we're we're going to start. We're going to open up today's questioning session with a, a a question from Philly fan, and he is asking. How does shaft flex and kick point affect, if at all, the trajectory, spin, and distance that you will see from the golf ball? Uh, I can give you a short answer and a long, uh, and a long answer. Which, which one do you want to hear first? Uh, let's do the short first, and then you can expand upon that. Okay. The, the short answer to any question kind of in that vein is, I don't know. And that <laughs> might sound kind of kind of weird right you don't you fit for a living um and watch uh people hit different shafts and test a bunch of different shafts out with players and and that the answer to that is yes and that's precisely why i'm confident in saying that the short answer is i don't know what what is going to happen uh when a player tries uh different settings uh in kick flex uh to trash spin and distance and is that because it, it varies player to player, or is that because you can't tell that there's any difference? That's exactly uh, – you're 
your first statement there, that's exactly it. From player to player, you can see you can see differences uh, that aren't the same as one another. So, for instance, you change um, flex with one player, they hit it with more spin. The next player with less spin. The next player after that, no change in spin. Um, so I guess kind of the, the gist of it is we've tested shafts so much uh, here at the test center that we're 100% confident that when you do change those variables, we're, we're certain that we don't know what is going to change. Mm. So I, I would say a good rule of thumb when you're changing flex, kick point, uh, is to change them sort of with a goal in mind for what you're looking out for. You're, you're constantly looking for... Uh, the player to have a reaction in, in terms of feel, something that feels good to them, that they hit solid. Uh, but if you're, you know, trying one shaft versus another, have a goal in mind. Like, hey, I, I would really love to see the ball stay up in the air a little bit longer so it lands softer, and then start changing the variables one at a time and see if see if any of those things start changing. But you certainly can't make – I've learned this uh, fitting players for so many years. You certainly can't hand someone a different shaft and then say, hey, watch the spin go up 350 RPMs because you just set right. yourself up to, to, to be wrong, look like a fool. And for, for some players, that may be the case. That's what happens. But we've talked about it a lot lately. I think about, uh, you know, us golfers, we're not robots. And exactly sometimes right. our own behaviors or our own swing or our own the way we attack the golf ball will, will change based on what we have in our hands, based on maybe – based on the, the, the weight of it, the based on the length, based on the angle, based on the offset, there's all these, these variables that can affect the way we actually deliver the club. Uh, that is so player dependent. And, and I'll share with you just a quick example. Early in my uh, fitting career, when I was just get, catching the fitting bug, um, I, I'm naturally a lower spin player. So you would think I would need something lighter, softer, uh, you know, lower kick point. And I was working at a golf shop and I had about an hour to kill and I go into the hitting bay and I, I decided I was going to try like as many shafts as I could and hit five drives with each one. And the driver that ended up being the most consistent and the highest launching for me ended up being like a heavier shaft that had a, a higher kick point. And it was just for whatever reason, I liked the extra weight and it helped me be a little more consistent, but also, um, I, for whatever reason, I hit that one a little bit higher. So it's not always going to be like that. Um, for a lot of players, maybe it does follow what the manufacturer suggests, but, um, if we're looking at out, out as a rule of thumb across the board, we can say, you know, with, with a high level of confidence, if you increase the loft, you're going to see more spin, but we cannot say with that same level of confidence, if you go to a stiffer shaft or a softer shaft, that you will see this amount of spin change, this amount of reduced dispersion, this amount of side spin change, this amount of ball speed change. It, it, it totally depends on a player's tempo, on their attack, on their path, um, and also just how, how it feels in their hands. Yeah, I like to um, fit a lot of different players and sort of try and build up a, a history in my memory for any sort of patterns with, with certain shafts so that if a player asks for – you know, what shaft's going to help me do, you know, and then fill in the blank to their trajectory or dispersion, um, that I at least have something in mind. Well, I have seen this shaft for quite a few players, maybe not everybody, increase the spin or decrease the spin, whatever that player is asking for. So the more players you, you fit 
and have tried different things, maybe start to develop a little bit of a trend, but cer certainly don't want to get in the habit of saying, we need to decrease 600 RPMs. Here's the shaft that's going to do it. Just watch. Right. Because um, the head is going to way more uh, outweigh right. and influence the trajectory, like you mentioned, than, than the shaft itself. So, so my, advice, my advice for golfers would be doing a little trial and error to understand how, you, how shaft weight and flex affects you individually. So for some players – you know, it'll be consistent within a player that for some people softer maybe means you hit it higher. Softer means maybe you can turn it over a little easier, but knowing what works for you is a, is a good way to, to go about it. Yeah, one, one last point to wrap that question up about kick point. That seems to be kind of a buzzword that's going away with shaft designs. Um, you don't see kick point written on the shafts as often as you used to five, six years ago. And um, I think that was just due to the fact that enough players would try the the kick point shafts that were intended to change trajectory and really not see that with mm. the with the club clubs being so adjustable and easy to change from one shaft to another and and measurement devices like Trackman, GC Quad, all all the others able to sort of prove it in in real time. So right. that one seems to be going away a little bit. Right. Yeah. Good. Good call out there. Um, all right, moving right along here. Next question comes from Shane Wu, and he says, I like my iron shafts in the 110-gram weight class or somewhere close to there. Would it be a bad idea to consider going with the 110s in the P through 7, but then going a little lighter to maybe 100 gram in the five, four, five, six iron? So essentially it sounds like Shane's asking about creating a his own flighted set uh, of shafts, uh, you know, a little lighter as you go longer in the back. Garrett, what do you think about that? Yeah, I like, I like that idea as an experiment. Um, there's certainly a large number of players, whether it's pros, amateurs, different speed ranges where the long irons kind of start feeling like, like a bench press bar in their, in their hands, uh, especially if you're using constant weight shafts, um, uh, and particularly for the players that are tall and using overlength clubs, the, the, the shaft just feels pretty cumbersome and, and heavy to some by the time it's, it's in their long irons. For others that don't have an issue with how those clubs feel in the long irons, but they're wanting to you know, see if that's something that helps them. Um, generally speaking, the reason to go down that road is because with these, the heavier weight in the long irons, players unable to create enough speed or enough trajectory uh, or enough of a gap to sort of have their set perform uh, to their, up to their standards. So that would be a way to, to try and work on those, those variables. Now, Garrett, you and I just built a set of clubs where we did a very similar thing in the four iron. We went down to 110 and the rest of the irons were 120. Um, and similar type uh, approach there is, this is a long iron. It's harder to hit. We want to make sure we can generate speed and hit it high. Um, and so that's definitely a, a valid approach. I would say in the build process, one thing to keep in mind would be, uh, and, and Garrett, please gut check me on this, but uh, in terms of sensitivity for a player, some players are sensitive to overall weight. Some players are sensitive to swing weight. So if you're going to go with different overall weights, you're right, different shaft weights, then the, I would say a best practice would be to target in the lighter clubs, making sure you're still hitting the same uh, swing weight. 
So that yeah, they, yeah, you want to have a builder that's kind of paying attention to all the details. Um, if you reduce the weight by 15 grams roughly and keep everything else the same, the swing weight usually goes down about a, a point. Um, I have seen a lot of players that try that. Um, you know, the obvious reason is what we just mentioned. They're trying to swing it faster so that their gaps are maintained and still hit it nice and high. Um, a lot of players will increase the length with the long irons, particularly if they're going with like easier to launch long irons. So you kind of have a longer club helping with speed, a lighter club helping with speed and a little bit more forgiving, bigger head helping with speed and trajectory. And then you, you kind of have sort of a, a nice blended uh, set from a speed forgiveness trajectory right. gapping standpoint. So in those lighter, in the lighter shafts going, you know, maybe a quarter inch, half inch longer. Yeah, a quarter inch. So. And the, the quarter inch helps with the swing weight uh, as well and um, also with the speed and launch. So good advice there. Um, next question we have, uh, a wonderful question from Boise51, and he's asking if the shaft length, so this is really a length question, should shaft length be adjusted to fit a certain swing type? I've heard that maybe people with a steep swing um, may benefit from a shorter shaft and vice versa if you have a, a flatter swing or shallower swing, a longer shaft. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say particularly speaking about the woods, the players that are a little steeper tend to feel like they can make better contact with the clubs that are a little bit shorter. So, for example, if you just take um, – a tall player on the PGA tour and a short player on the LPGA tour. Um, you'll often see the taller guys like the six, two, six, three play under a 45 inch driver. And they feel like with the, their taller stature and a little bit steeper plane that they, they hit it better with that type of setup. Conversely on the LPGA, if you're, you know, one of the shorter players, they often will swing much on a much flatter plane. And you'll always, you know, tend to see them with uh, a little bit longer shafts, 45 and a half, even 46 at times. So I like that approach, not necessarily through the whole bag though, um, because you might just be costing yourself distance if you're shortening your nine iron at the same time because you're steep, you know, those clubs are already short. Mm -hmm. So I would look more toward the long end of the bag as, the, as a possibility. Um, now it could also backfire on you. Sometimes a steep player will sort of self-adjust without maybe even knowing they are. They'll just sort of start figuring out how to swing the club a little bit differently and get a little better performance to where if you give them a long club, they, they're they sort of forced to uh, shift their swing plane a little bit flatter. Um, so, and that might be a, a change to their swing that, the, that they're after. So right. when I fit people, I'm always trying to um, understand if they want their clubs to sort of uh, help them progress towards a certain swing or if they want their clubs to be perfect for the swing they've got that day and a good right. fitter will kind of you know uh uncover that early you know before you even start hitting balls you know are you right. trying to get better or are you playing once a month sort of thing right yeah uh good good stuff there that's a, a really good question smart question um we will move on to the next one here on the list we've got a, uh three more to cover on this episode um, this one comes from HandyGuy05, and he's asking a, a fairly simple question when it comes to getting fit um, for, let's say, a new driver, but which 
should I worry about first? Should I get fitted for shaft weight, shaft flex, and then put the right club head on it after that? Or do I start with the club head and then uh, find the shaft uh, weight and flex that weight, weight and flex that works for that club head? I've heard both ways. Can you uh, help enlighten us? Uh, I don't know if I'm a little bit biased working for a, a club head manufacturer. Um, so, but I like my approach anyway. I always start with the club head. Um, almost, you know, the shaft is somewhat irrelevant uh, um, at the very beginning. So, if for instance, if I give someone that needs an eight degree driver a thirteen degree driver, it doesn't matter what shaft. I give them, it's, you know, it's not going to look right. Um, on the flip side of that, if someone needs an eight degree driver and I give them a regular flex and they should have a stiff flex, they're probably going to still get pretty good results. And then you kind of fine tune things uh, with the shaft after you find the head. Um, ideally, what I like to, to start with in terms of shaft, assuming someone is fairly comfortable with what they they've already got, is to just say, okay, you're using a 45 and a half inch stiff flex, 60 grams. Let's start with 45 and a half inch, 60 grams with the new head. And then if, if I see anything that looks like, you know, maybe we want to make some changes with the shaft after I've exhausted all the heads options and, and kind of gone a direction that we like, then we start tinkering with shafts. I like to isolate variables one at a time. Yeah, Garrett, I totally agree with you on that. The The club head is going to give me a better indicator, I think, of what the golfer needs or what the golfer is looking for, getting the golfer closer to where they need to be. And then I prefer um, next to think about, um, depending on the player's dispersion, but looking at weight, shaft weight next, and then uh, finishing up with, with flex and um, any fine-tuning from a feel standpoint. But um, yeah, the club head is going to have a bigger impact. And this is something Austin said last week as well. The club head is going to have the biggest impact to what we see from a launch, spin, ball speed standpoint. And then the, the shaft plays a critical role after that. But um, I would start with the, with the, the heads as well. Um, I think that's, that's a, a, a good way to go. Now, um, part two of this question from Handy Guy, which I really like, is thinking about, um, you know, he, he's, he acknowledges that not all manufacturers or even within manufacturers have a standard when it comes to flex. So when we're looking at flex, is the flex more related to swing speed or should we look at flex in relation to tempo and say how aggressive a player's transition is and how, how stable we need the club to be at the top of the swing? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I like to be aware of, of the flex when you're looking at those things, but not necessarily tell someone they need a specific flex based on any of those variables. Um, so for example, if someone says they're, they're real quick and they want to know what shaft helps their quick tempo either match better with a quick tempo or just help them change their tempo to be a little bit smoother, there's, there's certainly some trends. For instance, heavier and stiffer tends to be more preferred by faster tempoed players, but not always the case. So if someone's, uh, after we've kind of got a head picked out, uh, I'll use irons as an example. We've picked an iron head out, and they want to see if they can hit the ball a little bit more consistent and 
this better impact on average. Um, and they say, yeah, I'm super uh, quick tempo. And I notice I start hitting it a little bit better if I smooth my tempo out. Actually, hear that a ton. So then you go through the process of seeing, okay, does a heavier shaft just work better with your quick tempo? Uh, does a stiffer shaft work better with your quick tempo? Sometimes it does, but you, you'll also see uh, the other the other side of the, the spectrum there where someone picks up a real light and whippy shaft and then they'll their brain sort of triggers to their to their body that hey if I am quick with this I'll never make good contact and they actually smooth their tempo out because because of that so you gotta you gotta try things um, and um, and see what works for you and you might yeah, not so get in with one of those trends uh, but you got to figure out what works for you yeah, so exactly. So getting back to what we said kind of at the top of the show about when you put a club in a player's hand, they're not always going to swing every club the same. And if they see that something's really whippy, maybe it forces them to swing a little slower. Or if they feel something's really stiff, they're going to feel like they have to swing harder. And that can change a bunch of, of other variables there. An analogy that I like to, to think about is um, uh, that – like if you look at a player like Ernie Els versus uh, let's say a guy like Sergio, um, Ernie Els could probably get away with swinging any flex shaft that he wanted because he's, he's got such great tempo um, and it's so smooth and there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of, uh, I would say like, like uh, instantaneous load put on the shaft at any one point in the swing. He still generates a ton of club head speed. He still, still generates a ton of power but it's done, you know, more gradually. Whereas yeah. a guy like Sergio puts, has a lot of lag. He's got an aggressive transition. He, he really uh, whips the club through. And that's a guy who, you know, has played, you know, 100 gram driver shafts with extra weight put under the grip as well. So um, that's a, a, a little bit of a visualization of how players have, have gravitated towards one thing or another, or maybe a guy like Ernie has more options when it comes to shaft flex than a guy like Sergio. Yeah. Good example. Um, okay. Now uh, on the same topic, this next question comes from Cam Cool, and he's asking, how do you find the perfect flex in weight without breaking the bank? So, uh, you know, we see a lot of shaft options. You see a lot of shafts played out on tour. These are expensive pieces of equipment you know they can be above three hundred dollars um as an upcharge on top of an already expensive golf club so how what guidance can we give golfers who want to make sure they're getting a shaft that is suitable for their game but are 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 not interested in dropping a thousand dollars or eight eight hundred plus dollars on a driver yeah, uh, that's a good question. When I, when I first started at Callaway in uh, early 2008, I was fitting consumers, uh, which was a really great job, good learning experience for me. And I wouldn't necessarily fit anyone based on price, um, purely sort of performance driven, until someone asked me to account for price. And at that time, um, Aldela had a shaft that was around for quite a while was the green envy. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have used that shaft. Uh, maybe some still do. Um, and that was a no upcharge shaft. And I loved handing that to players that were a little bit price conscious with their shaft, but also wanted one of the club that 
work the best for them. And, so, and oftentimes the shaft helps contribute to that. Um, but that one was offered in a 60, a 70, an 80, maybe even a 50 gram shaft at the time. And I think uh, for drivers in fairway woods, and uh, you hinted on it a little while ago, weight is super critical. The price point is a little less critical if you can get a, a certain shaft at a certain weight. So at that time, people would, would leave the fitting super happy because they got a custom fit that was the right weight and flex matched into their head without having to add this, this super big upcharge. So nowadays there's still some shafts that are kind of on the, the trailing end of technology in the shaft world, if you will, that, um, you know, maybe they won't be around a whole lot longer available a whole lot longer, but three, four years ago, they were super premium shafts. So there's oftentimes something like that. A consumer could do their homework a little bit. And then lastly, uh, drivers specifically, um, most manufacturers, Callaway included, offer more than one shaft, and it's pretty much a weight um, option. Uh, if you look at the Maverick driver, for instance, you've got anywhere from 40 grams to 80 grams as the stock option. Um, right. Now, generally speaking, as the, you go real light, you don't have an extra stiff option, and as you go super heavy, you don't have a regular flex option. Um, but you've got a lot to choose from now without the, you know, the manufacturers sort of forcing you into a, a, a premium upgraded shaft from a price point perspective, um, going outside of the stock shafts. Yeah. Just to second that, I think, uh, you know, uh, fitting room faithful and fitting room regular Dave Neville, uh, who's on this show a lot, he spends a lot of his time building out the shaft matrices for all of, our, all of the new product launches. And he spends a lot of time making sure that there's a no charge option in every weight class, like you mentioned, Garrett. And the shafts that were no upcharge for, let's say, Epic Flash, those also roll over into the Maverick lineup. So you, you can look back a couple years of all the you know, the amount of no upcharge shafts, um, you can pretty much find them at every flex and every weight and every, every torque value. So you can find something that really works for you. Now, if there's something really specific that you want, maybe that specific shaft comes with an upcharge. But if you're looking purely at, I have a weight preference, I have a flex preference, I have a torque preference, you're pretty sure to be able to find one that you can get, uh, and no upcharge. Yeah, and that's the direction that the golf industry has gone. Uh, consumers view the shaft as a massively critical component to the club, and with custom fitting being the, the dominant way to get your clubs now, um, all the head manufacturers want to uh, to appease and and satisfy that that requirement that consumers have to have a premium shaft. The other thing that's worth noting um, is that I don't believe performance and price are directly correlated when it comes to shafts. And I think uh, like we've talked about a lot in this episode about things being player dependent, you could find a shaft that maybe has a cost to the manufacturer of, you know, 10 bucks that is perfect for you just as much as you could, you know, seek one out that is $400 that, that works for you as well. So there's, there's no uh, secret, 
uh, secret formula or secret ingredient that makes uh, a shaft like always perform better for a particular player. If you find the weight flex torque combo that you like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, It's not necessarily, you're not going to see if you find two shafts and one's a $400 shaft and one's a $10 shaft, you probably won't see a huge performance difference. Yep, that's been my experience for the most part. All right, uh, we've got time for one more question here. And this one comes from Chip and Run. And Chip and Run asks, uh, you know, he's been to some fittings and he sees the fitting carts. And the fitting carts uh, typically have a fitting iron. Normally, in the past, a six iron. Now it's more common to find a seven iron. But he wants to know why don't we have an eight iron or a five iron available? Um, you know, because the way you use an eight iron and a five iron are very, very different. Um, and it can also help potentially with knowing where, how you're going to do your uh, transition your set into your hybrids that you can't tell with a seven iron um, or transition to your wedges that you couldn't tell with just a seven iron. So um, I think this is a really thoughtful question. And I, I like where Chip. Chip and Run's head is at when it comes to, uh, you know, thinking through uh, getting the full bag fit fit properly. So, Garrett, what advice do you have for for him? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of pointing to uh, the differences between getting a, like, a really high-end fitting and maybe getting a fitting that you can can walk into a store retailer that um, will fit you on the spot, no appointment needed sort of thing, and you take a few swings with the seven iron, pick your set out. Um, I know um, if you had the option, you'd want to get, you know, and, and those things were important to you, you'd want to go somewhere where they have the whole sets of clubs available, uh, including the seven iron where you could kind of uh, pick your head, pick your lie angle, see what loft you needed on your clubs, try, try some different shafts. And then um, once you kind of zero in, okay, that's, that's what I need. For the seven iron, how do I uh, start piecing together the sets at the end of the irons? Uh, so ideally, you would have the option to start working down in those irons before you felt like the clubs either didn't go high enough, far enough, or too hard to hit. Figure out where you transition, and then you'd be able to hit. Uh, I don't know if the eight iron would be as you know useful as maybe the nine and the pitching wedge would be. Yep. Uh, definitely the pitching wedge, yep. even the A wedge for the sort of the game improvement sets, but it's nice to be able to hit those um, and see how far your distances are. Cause if you're sw- transitioning to a distance iron, um, you're probably going to hit the pitching wedge farther than your previous club if, you, if, if your last set wasn't a distance set. So that might mean retooling the gap wedge or the wedges in general is gonna be a necessity. Um, with just one club, you have to sort of extrapolate that and guesstimate that that mm-hmm. information. Yeah, and I I think it, at a very minimum, looking at you know looking at the A wedge and looking at the five iron and seeing like is this a club that I feel confident looking down at? Yeah, that, even something as simple as that is important. Now I've seen uh, at many retail locations that they'll they'll be more than happy to grab a five iron off off the rack and tape it up for you to let you hit that, to be, be able to let you feel it, feel the forgiveness, feel the launch. Um, now it might not be in the exact configuration from a, a length and a, 
shaft model uh, that you would want, or maybe even, you know, a lot of the fitting heads, you can bend them upright and things like that. So you may lose out on some of those little details, but it should give you a sense for, you know, is this club forgiving enough for me? Will I be able to launch this enough for me? Maybe it's not totally tuned, but at least you'll get a directional yeah. uh, uh, assessment there. And it's one of the, the benefits, one of the things that I love the most about the Callaway Performance Centers that we have around the country is they have the full sets of almost every club built. So you don't actually need to use, uh, and oftentimes you don't need to use the fitting parts. You can, you can try the clubs exactly how they would be shipped to you. Now, maybe they don't have every grip size in every combination, but you're going to be able to try different lengths you're going to be able to try different shaft options. You're going to be able to try uh, all the different lofts as well. So that's one of the big perks of, uh, of going to a Callaway Performance Center um, is that you, you take a little bit of that guessing and that estimation um, that you, you reference. Sometimes fitters have to do that depending on their setup, but it takes a, some of that uh, off the table. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the last club in the bag or the longest club in one's bag figuring out what that should be and why that should be is to me the uh, kind of has become the most important element to a good iron fitting. Right. And we've had um, some other guests on the show that um, some high end fitters, some hot, like really high end fitting locations that maybe even will build your clubs there for you where they will uh, work with players who say, Hey, I want a full bag fitting. They will start with the irons they will have those clubs built, delivered, paid for in your bag, have you play with them for a, a couple weeks, and then they'll come back to do all the gaps, uh, all the transitions. Yeah, and, that's a pretty sweet service. That's like our, uh, the, what I've dubbed the tune-up fitting, as we've talked about on the, on the shows in the past. Uh, that's that's high-end service right there. Right, so you can bring your clubs back after playing a handful of rounds with them. Maybe they need some angle adjustments. Uh, but then they'll know, like maybe we'll say, we know we like the five iron. We're not sure if we want a four hybrid or a four iron. So go play for a couple of weeks. Let's see how you're hitting that five iron. Um, and then it'll be a little bit more informed decision as to what to do with the rest of the bag. So, of course, we, we all want to get all the new clubs right away and have them perfectly in the bag. But sometimes a little patience and building your set over the course of a few months um, can pay off with a little more certainty as to what, what you're buying. Yeah, the, uh, that's a good, a good point to bring up. Just a last point here. When we're working with tour players here, the fitting essentially is just the starting point. It's not, it's not the end all. The, the, the transition, once you, once you get an idea of what the player likes, what they're looking for, where, where the club should be set, what shafts, you know, all the, the things you go through in a fitting, the next step is to see if what, what evidence we have on the range translates to the course. And then for the elite players, you know, if it translates to the course, you know, how does it, how does it perform under the gun of, of pressure during the tournament? Um, but the, the fitting itself is not the end, it's the beginning. Right. Yeah, great, great point there. Um, wonderful stuff. So, Garrett, we've done it. We, we have answered all the questions that came through. Um, so big thanks to Philly fan, Shane Yu, Boise 51, Handy Guy 05, Cam Cool, and Chip and Run for some excellent questions that warranted their own podcast. If you have questions for us, whether about shafts or any other topic, 
You can always hit us up on the Callaway community, callawaygolf.com slash community. Head over to the Fitting Corner thread, and we will be there to get your questions answered. And who knows, maybe they'll uh, inspire a new, uh, a dedicated episode here of the Fitting Room as well. Um, and don't forget, you can join Garrett and I every Monday night on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And we can answer your questions there live on the air. And uh, Garrett, it seems like uh, there's a lot of golfers out there with the bug these days because the phone lines were jammed last week. So um, exciting to see a lot of golfers are thinking about their gear and thinking about their equipment. And uh, of course, you know, you're a hard guy to get a hold of. So that might be the best way to get a hold of you. Look forward to it. I'll see you Monday. Yes, you will. And, uh, and lastly, uh, if you want a little more time, if you want 30 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time with the Callaway Certified Master Fitter, you can book your Callaway Distance Fitting today. Um, you will go through a full fitting over the phone. Um, and uh, the best part is it will cost you $0.00 and zero cents. It's a free service offered by the fantastic Callaway uh, Fitting Team. Um, and you don't want to miss that. Um, they have uh, blacklisted me because I call them too much. So um, the phone line should be open and available for, for all of you guys. Um, that's it for today on the Fitting Room Podcast. Uh, special thanks to our producer, Tyler Sheehan, uh, recording by Jen Turk and editing by Trevor Miglarino. We'll be back next week with more from the Fitting Room Podcast. Mm -hmm.